This podcast is brought to you by Voice of Vets. Voice of Vets. Hear it. Feel it. Feel it. Feel it. Feel it. To get an understanding of how the pandemic has affected Nigerians and Nigeria, we speak to Dr. Kainde Okunade. Thank you so much, Dr. Okunade, for joining us here on the COVID report. And firstly, let's start by painting a picture of how the pandemic has affected Nigeria. What is life currently like? Oh, yeah. Thank you, Sikosikle. Uh, uh, yeah, it's nice to be on this uh, platform. Uh, basically, uh, yeah, the pandemic has uh, significantly affected uh, our way of life in Nigeria, or technically, uh, I, as a doctor, uh, have been uh, greatly, to an extent, impacted because um, uh, we had to put a lot of motivation to the way we manage our patients in Nigeria, and uh, this has uh, greatly impacted and put a lot of uh, stress on the healthcare system in Nigeria. Um, now, uh, the facilities and the support that we have available in the country uh, basically is not um, uh, strong enough to be able to handle the, the magnitude of the pandemic as currently is in Nigeria. And uh, also, uh, if I look at the non-medical aspect of the impact, uh, the economic uh, aspect, um, the pandemic has also has put a lot of significant strain on the economic um, sector in the country. Um, as it is, Nigeria is almost going into a recession because of the pandemic. Um, the productivity as a result of, um, uh, of um, the affectation of this pandemic on the, on the, the healthcare resources, I mean, on the human resources as um, resulted in a significant amount of uh, loss of, uh, you know, of manpower, productivity, and uh, so on. So basically, we are struggling in the country to be able to, uh, you know, uh, get out of the pandemic. And uh, the system is still relatively on the modified lockdown. And uh, this has... um, really put the country in a lot of, lot of uh, difficult uh, situation, uh, which we are still trying to battle with. Thank you. Now, listening to the modified lockdown, what does a modified lockdown look like? And what health, social and economic measures has Nigeria taken to cushion the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic? Okay, let me, let me start from the first. Um, well, with regards to modify lockdown, basically it means uh, at the initial part of the pandemic, um, what happens in the country that uh, the system was uh, completely on lockdown. Um, there was no uh, interstate travel. People are not expected to move on the street. Um, Basically, people are supposed to sit in their homes, except for the essential health workers. That is doctors, um, you know, um, members of the fire department, and so on. They are the only people that were expected to move. Uh, that lasted for about six weeks, after which uh, there was uh, a ease of lockdown, meaning that uh, there was a bit of modification. Um, there was um, relaxation to the interstate, interstate travel. People cannot move from one state to another, but, um, and uh, there was the curfew was uh, slightly relaxed, meaning that instead of having 24-hour curfew, uh, now we have uh, just uh, basically about 12 hours curfew. Uh, people can move from well, now from um, 6 a.m. in the morning up to um, 10 p.m. in the evening, but after that, um, people are supposed to be in their homes. The rationale for this is not very clear. However, you know, there was an attempt to reduce the number of um, you know, people that moves about and uh, also minimize the interaction uh, among people in the country. Uh, but with regards to what measures have been put in place by government, you know, to minimize the economic impact of the pandemic, uh, there was a, a bit of a palliative measures introduced uh, to, you know, to give some palliatives to some households 
uh, that may be greatly impacted by the pandemic, especially those that have to require, I mean, rely mainly on the on daily income, which was not which were not forthcoming as a result of the lockdown. So, government made an attempt to give some households some stipends uh, to take care of the the economic impact on them, and. Uh, Basically, that was the only measure that had been put in place by government so far. And now, the previously closed border have now been opened up so people can import some goods into the country, which uh, have been issued, uh, have come in the limited supply in the country. So uh, the effect is still, still you know, there. However, the country is still forging ahead. And hopefully, uh, in the shortest distance, uh, things to start taking shape, um, come out of this whole situation when the pandemic uh, eventually um, go. And speaking of the pandemic currently, how many people are infected by COVID-19 in Nigeria? And how many tests are done on average per day? Yeah, yeah with regards to the number of, um, so far, the number of tests that have been done, um, in total in the country is still just uh, about uh, 500,000 tests um, which uh, when you compare to other countries of similar population or even less population uh, than Nigeria uh, have been doing and uh, so far we've reported up to 56,000 infections uh, but uh, well, fortunately for us, the recovery rate has been very significant. Out of this number, we've seen up to 44,000 plus recovering as a result of the infection. And um, then uh, the number of deaths is just uh, a little bit over 1,000. We have about 1,067 uh, deaths recorded in all the 36 states of the country so far. Um, the daily uh, testing capacity uh, is increasing every day because um, recently there have been uh, approval for some other laboratories to commence testing, which has been you know, a major issue in the first instance. Um, at the beginning of the pandemic, we are only getting up to 500 tests done every day. But now we can get up to about 5,000 to 10,000 tests done per day. Uh, because uh, other laboratories have been opened up, and uh, especially the private laboratories, uh, which um, which have been able to significantly, you know, uh, you know, provide some level of support to the government's own facilities, which were the only one that were operational uh, at the beginning of the pandemic. So the the outlook is looking better, and hopefully, it keeps getting better. Um, as time goes on. Thank you. Now, Doctor, you are based in Lagos, a highly populated city. Are people able to observe social distancing and are they practicing hygiene and wearing their masks from what you've seen? Yeah, that is still a very big problem uh, with regards to looking at relation of Lagos and the distribution of, of uh, people that, that reside in Lagos, um, we have a lot of, of, of people of different socioeconomic status, of different literacy level, and of course, level of education. Uh, coupled with the fact that uh, the awareness and the health education with regards to the COVID-19 is still significantly low, a lot of people believe that um, the, the infection only affects uh, people of the higher socioeconomic status because most of the deaths, of course, the publicized deaths that have occurred in the country have been among uh, people of, uh, of higher political class. So an average uh, negotiator believes that uh, the disease only affects those that are rich and are, you know, and affluent members of the society. Uh, however, uh, with regards to complying with the measures for invention, prevention, and control, and uh, personal hygiene. This has been very, very poor so far uh, because um, members of the public um, believe that uh, 
they should be shown figures of uh, who are the average Nigerians that have died as a result of this. And such data have not been forthcoming. So people still move about carelessly without wearing their face masks. And uh, there is nobody to, that will implement or that will enforce uh, that all these measures are carried out by the average citizen. Uh, because the political will to ensure this is not completely there. Uh, so a lot of people take this for granted. However, there's still some level of compliance. I believe this may not be enough, uh, especially because the population of Lagos, as it is, up to 20 million uh, people live in Lagos currently. Um, it's, it's, it's so much, and uh, this... Um, has greatly impacted on all the measures put in by government to ensure that the control measures are, you know, are, are completely adhered to by members of the public. So when you go to places, it's even those many, many facilities, um, commercial facilities, try as much as possible to ensure that people wear face masks when they come to such facilities. Uh, they use hand sanitizer and wash their hands before they gain access. But once people leave such facilities and go out, they don't usually comply with all these measures in their own capacity, except when they are mandated to do so, when they visit these facilities. So the issue of compliance is still a major problem, and um, it is something that still needs to be you know, looked at by the government to ensure that uh, the infection even though the way it is currently has not significantly affected, you know, our healthcare system, which is very, very fragile because of the limited facility at our disposal. But uh, we should be careful so that uh, we don't uh, have another wave of infection that will overwhelm the system as it is currently. Thank you. And in light of this, Doctor, what would you say has been the biggest challenge brought on by COVID-19 in Nigeria? Well, the, the biggest challenge is um, basically uh, with regards to uh, the loss of economic power by people. Um, uh, you know, institutions cannot function maximally. Uh, most companies are going under because uh, they cannot uh, live above the impact of, of this pandemic on their businesses. So we've had a lot of businesses that have collapsed because as a result of this. Um, still, yet even those companies that are still trying to put their heads above are only struggling to survive. The income generated by this company has drastically reduced some only getting less than half of what the original income uh, was before the pandemic. And um, even while you look at uh, most of our healthcare institutions, the facility utilization of these institutions has been low. People don't come for services anymore because of the fear of getting infection in facilities. So basically, the impact has been on more on economics and the work system delivery. And uh, companies that are struggling and, they are, and their staff, um, a lot of other companies have reduced the paycheck, some 50%, some 25%. Uh, it's only the government um, establishments that are getting full salaries now. Most other private uh, institutions uh, have to you know, discuss pay cuts with their staff, and this is what is currently the situation in the country. Everything that you have said, where is the Nigerian government in the fight of COVID-19? And are they helping in many of the issues that you have just brought up? Well, the government is playing its role, even though this may not uh, be as uh, much the populist we expect. Um, basically, the government is not helping the small companies that are folded. Um, nobody is giving any palliatives to this company to ensure that uh, they live above water so that they don't completely collapse. So the impact, the impact of government is still not not as um, you know as what one will expect. And um, you know, the with regards to you know um, 
giving care to people that are infected by this uh, by this virus government has uh, played its role also because most um, um, healthcare institutions owned by government have been you know um, they've been um, currently all of them have been supplied with uh, personal protective equipment to ensure that uh, healthcare workers protect themselves while attending to patients with this infection and also for those that may be asymptomatic that have not been diagnosed for the infection so that healthcare workers don't become add part of, I mean add to the number of uh, infection currently in the country. Um, thankfully, the number of healthcare workers that are infected are not really in much. However, the the I mean the effect of government in ensuring that uh, uh, the economic uh, life of uh, Nigerians don't get adversely affected as is still not is still not there. So um, most of the efforts to keep the country afloat currently are more or less um, personal individual effort uh, to which the government has not really played so much. Thank you. Now, Doctor, you're an HIV specialist. How has COVID-19 affected HIV-positive individuals? And what have you seen in your work? Well, basically, because um, as um, it is currently known, and as documented in literatures, uh, that uh, COVID-19 affects those uh, the vulnerable members of, of the of the society, and uh, especially those that have some level of uh, immuno immunosuppression. And uh, the HIV-affected populace uh, already have an issue having some level of immunosuppression. So coupled with the fact that uh, this, um, this infection may make them vulnerable, you know, and, um, the, and of course, they can develop a, a much more severe disease compared to an average uh, HIV-negative uh, population. Uh, it's, it's been a bit difficult so, uh, to manage these women and men that come for, for their treatment because basically what happens now is that uh, uh, for them to get their treatment, they have to come to the hospital in bashes. What we just have them to do is that uh, they give, up, give them appointment to pick up their drugs without necessarily giving them any comprehensive examination and um, to take good history from them anymore because we don't want them to come to the hospital and get infected. And now some of them still, they won't have, we just uh, prescribe a drug and let them go somewhere else to pick the drug from. So it's, it's a dicey situation and um, uh, we try as much as possible to shield them so that uh, they don't you know, become part of the numbers that, that will be added to the death rate from this infection. But, um, because we manage vulnerable population, it's, it's actually been a roller coaster and uh, it's been a very big challenge, you know, taking care of this patient while at the same time trying to make sure they don't get infection at the, at the end of the day. And now it has been six months since the World Health Organization declared a COVID-19 a pandemic. The world was predicting that the pandemic would have adverse effects on the continent. When that did not quite happen, they found other reasons of why Africa is not as badly affected by the pandemic. Now, in your view, why do you think the continent has been able to manage the spread of the pandemic and has had quite a high recovery rate? Thank you. That's an excellent question. Uh, basically, if you look at um, the population of uh, Africa and uh, so many other low-income countries uh, compared to to developing to developed parts of the world, you see that um, our population is is a very very young population compared to some other parts of the world where their life expectancy can be as high as 80, 90 years. Uh, so uh, this is not uh, present in the younger population, just like we have in Africa. Uh, the younger population are able to, you know, 
even though they can be infected, are able to have some level of uh, protection against uh, developing severe diseases. So they get infected and the infection get cleared after a few days, unlike the elderly population who has, who has um, some other comorbidities that uh, make them prone to developing severe disease. So that's to an extent has accounted for why our population in Africa has been, you know, to an extent, shielded from, you know, from this disease to a large extent. Now that we don't have, if we test enough, I'm sure we have a science number, just like uh, the developed countries of the world, having the infection. But the only difference is that we get, we recover from the infection because of our younger population compared to those other parts of the world that have an elderly population, all forms of mobility accompany this, um, you know, this uh, older age group. And speaking of the African continent as a whole and even within the regions, do you think there has been enough regional integration and support from within the continent and the countries within the continent, either through the AU or regional bodies like ECOWAS in fighting this pandemic? Uh, with regards to what efforts, regional efforts that have been going on uh, within the continent or within the region, um, basically, it's, it's, the efforts have really not uh, been, been so significant or obvious to the average uh, members of the public because uh, basically uh, the level of um, you know, regional cooperation uh, with, with respect to transborder migration movement of goods and services and uh, uh, members of uh, the African society have not really, you know, yielded so much fruit. Current, recently, Nigeria just um, uh, gave approval for for airlines to operate. In, previously, in the last two or three weeks, uh, we just started operating local flights. National flights started about uh, two weeks ago, and uh, efforts to ensure that. Uh, um, people, you know, get tested before moving in and out of the country is quite frustrating. You need to get tested on your own and you need to make uh, the results of the test available to the airline before you can move. However, to get tested in the country takes uh, an average of about three days, which is very frustrating for most people that tend to travel. So at least because of these, people tend not to want to travel so if people don't travel, then of course, to import or export goods I mean, into and outside of the country becomes a challenge. With regards to cooperating on what moving resources, you know, all, most of our regional organizations like ECOWAS, OAU, you know, go a step further to ensure that uh, we also uh, put our voice out to this fight against uh, this uh, very deadly pandemic that is ravaging the world. And doctor, many of the African countries still import a lot of their medications and medical supplies. With the closing down of borders, do you think African leaders will focus on strengthening the internal capacity in medicine and medical supplies in your experience? Definitely, definitely. This, this is something that should be ensured by uh, the African government. Uh, because uh, currently most of the resources required to even fight the pandemic in most African countries, you know, imported at very exorbitant uh, prices, uh, which an average, uh, you know, members of the community can, cannot afford. We should try as much as possible to look inward and promote, which is something that is really lacking because of the you know, of the poor infrastructural support um, available in most African countries. We have the human resources, however, the government support and environment to be able to increase our local capacity for production of some materials and uh, that will be required uh, to strengthen our healthcare system have been seriously lacking. So efforts should be made by, you know, all these uh, regional 
like WHO, I mean like um, ECOWAS, Operation of African Unity, to ensure that uh, they come together to make sure that Africa start producing things that they need instead of relying on some uh, uh, big countries in developed parts of the world. And uh, this, um, this COVID-19 pandemic should be an eye-opener for majority of us, especially those of us um, in, in sub-Saharan Africa who have to rely basically on everything, you know, um, to rely on the developed countries of the world for everything that is required um, for our everyday life. Thank you. Now, it is well known across the continent that Nigeria is a leader in natural remedies. Has your country considered looking at its natural remedies as an alternative to Western medication to treat COVID-19? Yes, thank you. Thank you for the question. Yes, um, the country is uh, making uh, a significant effort to actually look inward and uh, to look at uh, the available you know, other remedies uh, that um, have been available in the country um, to see what their role will be in the, in the treatment of um, patients that have this, um, the COVID-19 infection. Um, and uh, the Central Bank of Nigeria, coupled with, the, uh, with NAPDAC, which is the equivalent of the FDA in the United States, uh, have been making effort to provide the resources in form of grants to researchers in the country to conduct research on the looking at uh, some of these um, local uh, preparation to see how they can help in you know in the treatment of this pandemic. Basically, what, whether it helps to reduce the you know to to ensure the clearance of this virus from the body and to minimize the symptoms that would develop as a result of uh, of this uh, infection. So the government is, is doing much in that regard, and uh, hopefully uh, when some of these clinical trials that are being carried out, funded by the federal government is, is concluded, uh, we'll be able to look at, um, touch on so many um, um, local remedies that can be used um, in the treatment of the, of the infection. Because as it is currently, uh, the, there is currently no um, no treatments that have been approved worldwide, um, specifically for the treatment of COVID-19 infection. Uh, a lot of trials are currently ongoing all over the world, and Nigeria is not is not left behind in this um, in this effort. And hopefully, some of the trials are already getting to to completion. And hopefully, in in, in the next few weeks. We should start getting uh, some of the results. Some of them have moved from from phase two to phase three trials, and um, hopefully we'll, we'll get very positive results in the coming in the coming weeks. And uh, Nigeria will also be able to say yes, we have contributed to the global efforts to control this um, this dangerous pandemic. And speaking on the dangerous nature of this pandemic, when do you think Africa and Nigeria will fully recover from this pandemic, economically, socially, and even on the healthcare front? It's, it's difficult to say when exactly we'll, we'll, we can completely recover from this. Um, if, I, if I can project, and uh, that is only a personal projection, um, for us to make a full recovery, we have to be towards the end of 2021. Um, as it is currently, we are still battling with, uh, daily, uh, with, uh, with, with the number of daily infections. Uh, it's, it's not reducing yet. However, life must continue. So people still have to go out and fend for themselves, which to an extent will continue to hide to the level of um, infectivity and number of infections. So people will have to interact uh, a bit, you know, despite all the government uh, measures to ensure that people don't necessarily have to do that. But the government cannot take care of all our needs. So people still need to go out there and fend for themselves. So um, we still have to learn to live with the infection. But how long it will take for us to recover completely from this is still difficult 
should say. However, most of these are wishful thinking and they're based on, you know, on personal projection, like I mentioned earlier. Um, uh, it, it, we, it cannot be this year and definitely it cannot be early in 2021. So before the, the impact of this, of this pandemic can, you know, can, can reduce or the, before the effect of, of the pandemic on our everyday life can, uh, can be brought to it, we can't uh, stop. Then we should be looking at uh, maybe when we start learning, uh, learning to live without face mask all over again, without having to wash your hand, uh, after touching any surfaces or after attending to anybody, I am looking at the uh, end of 2021. Thank you. End of 2021. So still a very long journey for us and COVID-19. Now, healthcare workers have been on the front line of the fight against the pandemic, and some have unfortunately lost their lives in the process. What is your message to them or anyone else on the healthcare front? Yeah, it is. Um, well, this is a, this is a this is a difficult period for all of us. It's a difficult period not only for the African continent, but for the entire world. Um, a lot of deaths have been recorded because of this pandemic. Fortunately for us in Africa, we are the least hit by this pandemic. So uh, there's a reason for that. Uh, we should still continue to remain to thank God uh, over that. However, uh, for those of us that have been at the forefront of this fight, for those of us that have been taking care of patients with COVID-19, um, and um, looking at, fortunately for majority of, especially in, the, in Nigeria, majority of the of the healthcare workers have really not gotten the infection, which is a good thing. However, because a, a, a lot of sensitization with regards to infection prevention and control took place earlier on, even before we recorded the first case of the pandemic in February 2020. However, um, some households have been affected, some health workers have been affected. And uh, the most important thing that I can tell them is that uh, we should still remain courageous and that we should try as much as possible to always remember the necessary infection prevention control measures. Um, healthcare workers in, in, in Nigeria especially, uh, have been getting the infection from their co-workers and not necessarily from patients. So it is very important that as you protect yourself against infection from patients, you should try as much as possible not to lose your guard when you are interacting with your colleagues because everybody you are speaking with is a potential carrier of the infection. So you should as much as possible, try not to lose your guard any moment in time. And uh, all the infection prevention control measures should always be instituted at every single opportunity available. However, um, we should continue to remain hopeful and remain courageous, like I said earlier, and uh, we should continue to encourage ourselves and uh, um, be our brother's keeper uh, because um, once uh, a health worker uh, gets this infection, the person should try as much as possible to ensure that you don't infect your co-workers. Stay away from work, and um, you know, if it is, um, if you have any symptom that suggests COVID-19, and uh, seek the necessary help on time, and don't uh, stay at home to treat yourself without involving, um, you know, other healthcare practitioners that, um, that can help in taking care of, of you. Thank you. What do you think this pandemic is going to do to the mental health of frontline workers and Nigerians at large? Yeah, the issue of mental health is, is something that comes up a lot, especially during this period of pandemic, recorded a lot of people that come um, with depression now. According to uh, the, our mental health physicians, 
And um, now even the healthcare workers are not left out. There's a degree of anxiety, fear, uncertainty among the, the frontline health workers. They don't want to develop, I mean, to, uh, you know, to contact infection at work and take it home to your family. And, you know, so people tend to, you know, to live with that fear and uh, with that anxiety. So that, um, but effort is being made, especially in the in most uh, institutions, to ensure that staff go through this. Um, you know, they have access to um, to the necessary help to a mental health physician, to a psychologist. Uh, especially when you look at um, even when you see the number of uh, people that get infected, and look at the number of people that die as a result of this. Um, you 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 want to sit back a bit and you know, express, you know, look for somebody that you'll be able to express your worry to and that can give you some level of encouragement. Um, it's, it's really having uh, a, a big toll on uh, the healthcare workers, especially in the country and even the larger population at large, uh, because nobody knows who is going to be infected. Nobody knows whether it's going to be my friend, my relative and even you you don't know whether you every whether you are safe after every interaction you have so it's it's, it's quite worrisome and uh, uh, it's uh, a lot even in our team according because I am at the forefront of management of um, of patient with COVID-19 so we also have you know a psychologist and a mental physician in our team uh, provide counseling at every point in time to everybody within the team so that uh, people don't, uh, you know, get overwhelmed emotionally as a result of this uh, of this pandemic. So it's it's something that still that still needs to be promoted because this pandemic is not only affecting the health workers; it's affecting every single member of the society. So government should put in effort to make sure that everybody have access. To, to help when it is needed so that uh, the system is not, you know, is not overwhelmed after this pandemic with a lot of, uh, you know, emotional uh, disorders among the population. Thank you. And that was Dr. Kainde Okunade sharing with us how it has been like being on the front lines in Nigeria and how the Nigerian government has done during this time. Now, we spoke to a few Nigerians on the ground to hear of their experience. Some had to say that COVID-19 has exposed how poor the state of health is in Nigeria and failures of government. Hi, my name is Valerie Aligbe. I... I'm originally from Delta State, but I live in Lagos State. I'm a broadcaster by profession, and because of this, things didn't really slow down for me during the pandemic. I had to go to work, I still had to put myself up for appearances, and basically put myself in harm's way. But apart from the occasional fright, things are slowly starting to go back to normal. The pandemic affected us seriously in Nigeria. A lot of businesses slowed down to a halt. A lot of businesses still haven't been able to stand up and get back at it again. Where there were multiple sources of income, which were flowing fluidly, I might add, things are suddenly beginning to be stressful and stringent, and the flow is not as, as smooth as it used to be before. And the government really hasn't helped. I wish that I could say that they did help, but they didn't really help. Um, Apart from the fact that they did try in their own way through the palliatives and through sensitization, there was little that was done. As a result of this, our taxes have been increased, the full pump price has gone up, so automatically everything else on the market has gone up. Transportation is a nightmare, foodstuffs even more of a nightmare. Then we're not even talking about normal day-to-day -day things that you would need and clothes and shoes and all the things that were moving and not so expensive before. Things are crazy right now. This is not to say that people are not cashing out. People are cashing out in this period. And as, as much as I'm happy for them, I can't help but wish that everything would just, you know, pick up economically. So aside from all this and, and much more, the pandemic affected me in a good way too in as much as it's bad it was also good because in nigeria we don't slow down and the pandemic really helped 
it forced all of us to take a step back and sit at home. So while doing this, a lot of self-evaluation went on. People are on fire right now because they had three months to think for themselves, which is a really good thing. So because of this lockdown or because of this pandemic, I'm very optimistic about 2021. I'm very optimistic about 2021 and I'm eager to see what life brings next year. While for many, the pandemic affected their livelihoods, some found opportunities. Hello, my name is Constantine Coyote Akinyele. Um, my father is from Ondo State, but I am currently um, in Lagos State at the moment. I, I normally live in Johannesburg, but I came to Lagos, Nigeria to check on my father's health. Um, that was in November, he died. And then I had to stay behind to plan and, um, his funeral. While I was doing that, I got some work from some um, from a client, and in the course of executing that, the COVID lockdown um, started, and I got caught in Lagos, and I've not been able to return to South Africa um, since, uh, no, uh, essentially since uh, the beginning of the year. Um, despite that, in a, in an interesting way, it's been quite a busy time for me because. I got a number of requests for, from clients who wanted me to execute training programs for them, and I did that remotely. Now, I have never executed a training program remotely. Usually, my, my tra the trainings I run are in-person, face-to-face with the participant. But because of the lockdown, the company that needed training had their staff either working from home or those who were essential staff and had to be on, on location had to, could only be reached um, via the internet. Um, I actually enjoy doing that and it, it um, probably portends how things might be in the future. In relationship to how the government has handled it, um, I think the government tried to do the best that, that they could, but it, there, were, there, were, there were massive gaps. If you add to that, the very, um, there's a distrust of government and some of the actions they said they had taken were not essentially backed up by the facts on the ground. So, for example, there was a promise to send a certain amount of money as a palliative to every every citizen, but I have not come across anybody who received that sum of money. Some people got actual food stuff. The quality of the food stuff in a, in, a, in some instances were very poor, and in other instances where compared to the household, the food stuff was supposed to cater for was quite insignificant. So um, I think what it showed is that one, the Nigerian capacity to attend to really serious uh, issues that disrupt our social life is not exactly there. Um, Health-wise as well, essentially it showed up that our health facilities are not where they ought to be. And I'm hoping that the the experience will, will spur the government on to to take the right steps to ensure that we 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 have the proper infrastructure in place and you know when you reflect on it i guess is an effect of the massive corruption never any corruption that i think um, the country has experienced right from its inception right from the right from when we got our independence and if that is not addressed, essentially it will affect things like health infrastructure, educational infrastructure, um, social infrastructure, even the physical infrastructure in the country has issues and challenges. Thank you. Hello, my name is Mary Ediete. I'm from Ibom State in Nigeria, and I'm a real estate analyst. What the pandemic taught me was that I could do my work from anywhere in the world without being affected or being confined to a particular workspace at least for my natural work and but generally it affected me in a very inconvenient way the pandemic was not convenient i know it's a pandemic so it shouldn't be convenient but the thing is we couldn't access public places we were limited to we couldn't see our families couldn't see our friends things got expensive food was expensive everything and some things even the things Despite the fact that things were expensive, some things were not even accessible at all. And for example, it affected my business 
negatively really i had to put my business on hold because there were no international shipping if there was it was ridiculously expensive something that my customers couldn't pay for so i couldn't order my products from outside the country and bring them into nigeria because they were ridiculously expensive and this was all a result of the pandemic the government's uh what the government did during this pandemic though was they encouraged us to use hand sanitizer to wash our hands regularly to give social distances one to six meter social distancing depending on the place you are at or depending on the place you are in they give like a certain amount of recommended social distancing the public transportation it was a law that the buses couldn't carry up to a certain capacity, maybe 75% or so, 50-75%, they were not able to carry it up to that, or they were supposed to fill up their vehicles only to 50%, depends really. Basically, my point is they couldn't fill up the buses or the public transportation vehicles to a certain capacity. Yes, that's just to encourage social distancing. And they prayed the health workers, they encouraged us to share symptoms into bits. They encouraged us to share symptoms or to come visit the hospitals when whenever we feel any symptoms. So yes, that's how this pandemic really affected me and how the government responded. Thank you. Companies had to adopt to working from home and this came with challenges of power and internet connectivity. Yeah, my name is Esiogene Judith Eboje. I am from Delta State, but I reside in Lagos State, Nigeria. I'm a designer, a content designer and project manager. I work with Aziza Design Limited here in Lagos. Um, COVID-19 pandemic has really been a very impactful one for us, but thankfully, um, in my industry and for my profession as a content writer, it was easier for someone like me, a professional like me, to easily, you know, morph with the situation, especially during the lockdown. I know that a lot of companies folded up as a result of the pandemic. My company was also affected, but we were able to scale through at least because we, it was easy for us to work from home. We were able to do our work from home um, effectively, managing the team it was not easy though. We had challenges, um, power supply, we had challenges of data usage. The data guys, the telecom guys in Nigeria, they were not smiling with us. At least one would have expected, they would have contributed their own quota in making it easier for people to work from home, at least reduce the tariffs and the speed at which um, we run out of data subscription. But rather, they just, you know, they rather banked, you know, they made bank out of it. Well, that's their, I think that's their luck. But um, I was able to manage, um, in this time, we had um, salaries uh, sal salaries slashed, which was which made it really difficult to cope. Actually, um, financially, um, salaries that was was barely enough for anything is now less than what it should be. Prices of um, transportation has gone up. Price of fuel has gone up. We we know that um, the 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 oil price in the international market has also dropped. And that is the major source of income for Nigeria. Um, so that impact alone too also affected, had a ripple effect on, you know, everyone. So having to live with less salary and then more expensive transportation, feeding, data, it became a little bit of a strain, you know, to cope. And it still is a strain because these are the realities. Now the economy is open. Now we're working. Um, we're no longer working at home. We're working from home. We're now working. We've resumed fully at the office. But this reality still persists. So those areas where we would have saved costs, for instance, in transportation, now we have to pay for them and come to the office. But salaries didn't go back up. 
everything went up except salary so really it's, it's, it's been a very challenging period however we're looking at opportunities to you know cope in these times i think that's what everyone should look at to evolve with the times rather than just stay at one spot and just sulk and cry and wish and lament you know um as far as per the government the government um they tried i would say they tried they made um, their efforts you know sensitizing the public communication giving us daily update the ptf presidential task force giving us daily update on the pandemic what's happening um giving um, advice to the states and then to nigerians on how to conduct themselves how to cope in this time how to move uh, coordinating the whole process within the this uh, ncdc and all the other um health bodies in the country hospitals you know i think they tried in that regard um well we had the issues of um palliatives which the government also went out to help people but i i just believe strongly that those palliatives were not what it's in any way because um giving people a bag of rice doesn't solve their problems people's problems are not bags of rice people's problems are transportation people's problems are power supply to be able to do their job or businesses people's problems are um high tariffs even in power the the, the nepa bills have gone up already double already those the um, fuel prices has gone up um food prices have gone up i don't think the government is doing anything in that regard to help people cope that is what will help people cope not distributing rice and gari and view to people that they will eat in two days is finished and you say you shed palliative those are not sustainable um efforts efforts from the government i do not appreciate them in any way they do not help the matters that we are facing in the country currently and i think the government can do better they should do better um i think that's my take on the whole matter concerning um the pandemic i pray that god helps us all through and gives us wisdom to manage with the times and with the resources that we have thank you very much and those were a few nigerians sharing how their experience has been like of the pandemic in nigeria now before that we were joined by dr kinde okunade sharing with us how the front line has been and how government has risen to the occasion this podcast was brought to you by voice of vids by voice of vids to hear more of our shows tune in to 88.1 or streams by www.vofm.co.za